Welcome to Sinsomnia, a show where I tell you stories in a really boring voice to help you fall asleep. In tonight's story, we're going to talk about the beautiful goddess of attraction, Aphrodite. Now, to understand Aphrodite's origins, we have to go way back. And Aphrodite is not really a sister or a daughter of Zeus. She would actually be his aunt, if anything. So, how it starts is with the heavens, Uranus, and the earth, Gaia. And Uranus and Gaia got together, and they would make babies. And those babies would be known as the Titans, with the most famous Titan being the last one, Kronos. Now, there were also other babies, such as um, there were monsters and a bunch of other things too, but we'll focus on the Titans for now. So, there's the cyclical pattern in Greek mythology of a son killing his father and taking the throne and it happening again and again and again. And with this story, this is the first time it happens. Uranus is afraid that one of his sons is going to kill him. So whenever he has a baby with Gaia, he shoves those babies back into Gaia so that they can never escape and actually walk on the earth. They're all kind of trapped underneath the ground. So Gaia starts to get fed up with this. With every day, her children all around her and inside of her are scratching her and they're making her feel very uncomfortable because they want to get out. So she tells Kronos, I'm fed up with this and what I want you to do is the next time that your father Uranus and I lay together, I want you to grab him in the southern heavens region and cut him off. And so what happens is the next time that Uranus and Gaia get together, Kronos is there. And he waits for Uranus to enter, grabs him, and for sure cuts off his parts. Now, he takes those parts and he throws them into the water, into the Mediterranean Sea. And out of the water comes sea foam. And that word foam is translated in Greek as Aphros, which is how we get the name Aphrodite. Now Aphrodite comes on a big clamshell out of the foam, and that's her origin. Now, when Aphrodite was made, she was extremely beautiful, perfect, and all the gods kind of were admonishing her beauty and just astonished by it. So now let's talk about some of her most famous stories. So the first one is Aphrodite being introduced to the other Olympians. And the Olympians is a term for the main Greek gods, the main 12, the, the big ones. So when she appears, she's brought to Mount Olympus and everyone is celebrating her and just astonished by her. And Zeus, again, meddles into people's affairs. He decides who should be her husband. And to everyone's surprise, he 
chooses Hephaestus. Now, Hephaestus is Zeus's son. Him and Hera had a son named Hephaestus, and they also had Ares. But he chooses Hephaestus, which is the physically ugliest of the gods, and the god of metalworking and being a blacksmith. And he says, Aphrodite, this is your husband. And it's just kind of bestowed upon her. Now, Aphrodite soon takes on another lover. She actually takes on Hephaestus' brother, Ares, the god of war. And Aphrodite and Ares have a very complicated history, but they're into each other. So, when Hephaestus is away during the daytime at work, metalsmithing, and he is also in charge of creating all the weapons for the gods, he created the armor for Athena, he creates the lightning bolts for Zeus, etc. So during the daytime when he's away working, that's when Aphrodite and Ares would get together. And Apollo, who is in charge every day of driving the sun across the sky from east to west, he can see everything underneath the sun. So when he's above Mount Olympus, he sees and Aphrodite and Ares are sharing the same bed. So he tells he tells Hephaestus about his wife and about how Aphrodite is having an affair. And Hephaestus is pretty hurt by it. So he does what he does best and he creates a weapon. So Hephaestus creates a net where the rope is so thin that you can't see it at all. And what he does is he attaches it to the top of his bed. Now, one day he tells Aphrodite that he has to go away for a while to, on business, to create something or whatever. He asks Aphrodite if she wants to join him, and of course she says no, she would rather prefer not to and to stay at home. So Hephaestus pretends to leave, but he just watches and waits. And as soon as he's gone, Aphrodite calls Ares to come to her and to come to her arms, her embrace, and her bed. So Hephaestus is there waiting and watching. And when Ares is in bed with his wife, Aphrodite, he pulls the net and it falls on both of them. And instantly, both Aphrodite and Ares start making a bunch of noise and screaming. And everyone in Mount Olympus hears and rushes towards Hephaestus' house. And there they see Aphrodite and Ares naked, in bed, caught. And they start pointing and laughing and ridiculing them. Now... Zeus is there, along with his brother Poseidon, and they both take pity on Aphrodite and Ares, and I think Poseidon is the one that suggests to Zeus to just let them go. He says, just, just banish them. Don't punish them in, or any other means. Just kick them out of Olympus for a while. So they agree. Ares and Aphrodite are to be exiled from Mount Olympus for some time and not allowed to come back. 
now uh, when Aphrodite, she decides to go back home to, I think, Crete or Cyprus or wherever she was originally formed. And as she's going back, Hermes, the messenger god, takes a liking to Aphrodite now that she's single. And he decides to come after her. So he goes with her on her journey back home. And he courts her. And sure enough, his flirtation works. And from their love, they make the term hermaphrodite. Hermes and Aphrodite. And that's their kind of origin together. Now... Let's go into another story about Adonis, this, this term you might have heard. Now, Adonis was a, I think, actually, a Lebanese god, and it meant a very, very, very handsome man. And Adonis is usually used in a masculine form. And how it starts off is in the land of Cyprus. So what happens is that there is a... A princess and the princess believes she is extremely beautiful and one thing you'll see in Greek mythology that happens all the time is that gods like to punish humans that are very full of themselves and think that they are above the gods and there's one princess her name is Mer or Mira and she decides to praise every single Olympian except Aphrodite because she believes that she doesn't have to. And Aphrodite is extremely perturbed by this. So she enacts her revenge. What she does is she makes Mira fall in love with Mira's father. Like having deep incestuous thoughts about her father. And at the same time, she makes Mira's father the king of Cyprus. I think Theus is his name. Uh, not see his daughter as his daughter. So what happens is that Mira seduces her father, and he doesn't. He just sees her as some other woman or something. And they spend twelve nights together. Kind of crazy. Twelve nights and twelve days. On the thirteenth day, the spell wears off. And the father sees his daughter, and he is in shock, and he is sickened by it. So he asks the gods for forgiveness about what he's about to do. What he's about to do is he's about to kill his daughter and then kill himself out of shame of this incest. So he runs after his daughter, and she is, is running like crazy. And she asks Zeus for help. She cries out to him. And she falls down. And at the spot where she falls, she turns into a tree. A giant tree. And from there, her father never catches her. But she still weeps while as the tree. And from Mira as a tree, we get this plant called myrrh, or this oil called myrrh. You might remember that from hearing about the three wise men bringing gifts to Jesus. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So that's the origin of that. Now, nine months later, Mira has a son. A son that comes out of the tree. And this boy's name is 
Adonis. So this boy walks out of the tree, Adonis, and he is beautiful, but he's still just a boy, a baby almost. And Aphrodite sees him and falls in love with him. Kind of gross, kind of sick, but this is a theme in Greek mythology. So she falls in love with him and she decides to hide him away. So she builds a, like a cradle for him, a magic cradle. And she's worried about other women pursuing Adonis uh, for a long time. So she decides to hide him with Persephone in the underworld. Now, um, the story of Persephone, I'll go through this a little fast, but it's a weird story as well. So Persephone, her father, I think is Zeus, and her mother is Demeter, the goddess of the harvest, which means like, you know, food growing and whatnot. And anyway, her uncle, Hades, fell in love, or whatever that means, with Persephone. And so he basically opens up the earth with his chariot, with his black horses, and he abducts her and steals her and brings her to the underworld. Now, there's this rule in the underworld that if you eat anything from the underworld, you are committed there. It's kind of like in Pan's Labyrinth, if you've seen the movie, where if you eat anything from the other world, you're stuck. So, what happens is that Hades abducts her, brings her down, and he um, tries to offer something to eat, but she won't eat it. So I think he has a little boy, or disguises himself or something, offer her some food. And she eats six little pomegranate seeds. And when Zeus calls to bring Persephone back to Earth, unfortunately she had eaten like six pomegranates or, or grapes or something. And they count the number of seeds. And because she had eaten six, they make a pack with Demeter. It's something like four, or maybe it's three, but whatever. It's something like during the during the year, Persephone can be with her mother in the earth, and that's when crops flourish and there's harvest and everything like that. But when it's her time to go, Demeter gets very sad, and so she doesn't put her energy into the harvest, which causes the winter to happen, which kills everything, because her daughter is with Hades, because she ate the food from the underworld. Now, Persephone hates being in the, in the underworld. It's gloomy, it's dark, and it's very different. Also, she was brought there against her will. So, back to Adonis. Now, Aphrodite, she fashions a magical cradle for Adonis and she brings it to the underworld and she asks Persephone to watch over Adonis and to raise him because she's afraid these other women on earth are going to try to seduce Adonis. So Persephone agrees, but Persephone ends up also having a feeling for Adonis and feelings that are beyond motherly much more attraction-based. And as Persephone is raising Adonis, she is kind of grooming him to be with her. And when he is of age, as an adult, 
Aphrodite goes back to get him, but Persephone is not willing to give him up, and Aphrodite is pissed. So both of them, Persephone and Aphrodite, are crying out to Zeus, and Zeus comes down, and he says, okay, we're going to split. For a third of the year, Adonis, you will be with Aphrodite. For another third of the year, Adonis, you will be with Persephone in the underworld. And for the last third of the year, you can pick whomever you want to be with. So Persephone says, I agree to this on one condition. When Aphrodite is with Adonis, she cannot wear her magical belt that makes her irresistible to all. And Aphrodite agrees, but not really. So on her first day with Adonis, Aphrodite wears the belt. And instantly Adonis is just infatuated with her. He just wants to be with her. All he can think about is being with Aphrodite. It's on his mind 24-7. He could only say the words Aphrodite. She's in his heart, in his mind, everything. And Persephone does not like this. So she takes revenge, but she reaches out to Aphrodite's old lover, Ares. She tells Ares that Aphrodite has found a new boyfriend and it's someone who's actually quite effeminate and Ares hates this so he sends a wild boar to kill Adonis and because now Adonis is dead he's in the underworld with Persephone forever now why does this matter at all with Aphrodite well there was a goddess named Discord, and she would cause all this ruckus. She's kind of like a Loki in the Greek mythology realm. And Discord comes with a beautiful golden apple. And she says, only the fairest of goddesses can earn this. And at first, Hera, Athena, and Aphrodite all vie for this beautiful golden apple. And they look to Zeus to be the judge of which one of them should get it. But Zeus says, I'm not going to be the judge of this. He says, if anything, we should find a mortal man to be the judge. So they go down to earth and there they find a man named Paris. And Paris, by the way, in Troy, he is... Uh, the son of a king, so he's the prince, but he is not the next one in line to be king. It doesn't really matter though. He has an older brother named Hector. Anyway, Paris is walking along the beach, and these three goddesses approach him, and they say, we need you to be the judge for us, to tell us which one is the best one out of all of us. And first Hera goes, and she says, if you pick me, I will make you a king, the most famous king in all of history. Okay, Athena comes up, and Athena says, Now Athena is also not just the goddess of wisdom, but a goddess of war, too. And she says, Well, if you pick me, I will make you the most famous warrior in all of history. Okay. Now, Aphrodite kind of has a little bit of a trick up her sleeve, 
Aphrodite has this magic belt that she wears, or this girdle, or whatever you want to call it. And it makes her irresistible to anybody, especially to men. Kind of like poison ivy. Now, Aphrodite says, well, if you pick me, I will give you the most beautiful woman, or any woman you want in the entire world. And she shows him the most beautiful woman, who at that time was Helen. So, Paris agrees to that one, and he picks Aphrodite. Now, I won't go into the Trojan War too much, because it's a story in itself, but what happens is basically, there are two versions. Either Paris and Helen actually loved each other, and Paris brings Helen to Troy, which causes Greece to want to invade Troy and uh, start the whole Trojan War. Or it's that Paris abducted Helen and brings her back. But anyway, it's an entire story involving different countries, people fighting, gods, etc. But you can say that it was started because of the squabble among Hera, Athena, and Aphrodite. Now, the last story on our list is with Aphrodite and Psyche. How it starts off is that I mentioned before, but the gods hate when there is someone who is over boisterous about who they are and if they're better than the gods. But the gods in Greek mythology are extremely jealous of human beings. If one human being is stronger than them or smarter or anything, they hate it and they try to knock that person down. Similarly to how in the grim fairy tales you'll see that these witches and queens hate seeing women who are fairer than them or more beautiful or anything like that. In this story, there is a very beautiful woman named Psyche. And the humans see her as almost equivalent or even more beautiful than Aphrodite. And Aphrodite absolutely hates it. So, she enlists the help of Eros, another god, who in Greek mythology is called Eros, but in Roman, his name is Cupid. Now, popular, well, incorrectly, is a lot of people assume Cupid is the son of Aphrodite, but that's not true. In fact, there is a story where the god of plenty, I think his name was Pius, and the other god for the beggars, she, um, they're both at a party, and the god of plenty drinks a lot of wine and goes to sleep underneath a tree. The god for the beggars, she wants to do better, essentially, so she sleeps with this god of plenty while he's kind of drunk and passed out. And together they make the god Eros, who I guess kind of forms because it's that if you're if you're rich or poor, love is this thing. But anyway, Eros's job is to serve Aphrodite, and while Aphrodite she creates desire and she creates love and all the stuff infatuation eros job is to shoot these arrows a golden one to 
make someone fall in love with someone else and a lead one to make them kind of hate the other person or just not be attracted to them. So Aphrodite, she gives Eros a job and she says, I want you to go to Psyche and I want you to shoot her with an arrow, a lead arrow or something so that people will not be as infatuated with her as they currently are. So Eros creeps into her bedroom at night and he looks upon her face and he thinks she is absolutely stunning and he is just very kind of taken aback by her beauty. Unfortunately, Eros trips and he punctures himself with his own golden arrow. So now when he looks at Psyche, he is instantly infatuated and in love, very similar to how Adonis was infatuated with Aphrodite because of her belt. So now Eros can't do it. He can't shoot Psyche with another arrow or take her out or kill her or anything like that. So instead he proposes a different plan. She feels a breeze at night and she sees this figure, but she doesn't see its face. And it says, let me take you away from this. We will have you come to my kingdom and you will marry me, but you can never ask about me or look upon my face. And for some reason, Psyche agrees to it. So her family, they bring her to a, a temple, I guess, and they leave her there. And at first it looks like the temple has nothing. But later, wind gusts around and Psyche turns around. And there is a giant castle, almost like a mansion, a godly one. And it has everything that she needs. She goes in there and it's just very decadent. Now, throughout the day, she's very lonely. But at night, Eros returns. But he is in the shadows, so she can never see his face. They sleep together, they're with each other, and she really loves being with him, but, you know, she can't see what he looks like, and he doesn't really talk about himself. So, she's growing tired of this. She misses her family, but she also misses having companionship throughout the day. So she talks to Eros, and she says that she wants to go visit her home. She wants to visit her family for three days, and Eros at first doesn't want to do it. But he sees how sad she is, so he says it's okay. But he says, if they ask anything about me, do not answer them. So, she agrees. Psyche, she goes back home. And there, all her friends and family are asking about her new husband. What does he like? What does he look like? What does he do? And she just can't answer anything. So her sisters kind of get into her head. And they say, well, maybe he's actually a monster. Maybe he's a serpent. And maybe he's trying to eat you. And it kind of freaks Psyche out. And she's not sure anymore what's going on. So she has a desire to, to uh, see what Eros looks like. So she goes back to her castle. And late at night, Eros comes again. They sleep with each other, and they both go to sleep. However, in the middle of the night, 
Psyche gets up and she grabs a candle and she puts it over the face of Eros to see what he looks like. And as she does this, she sees that he is gorgeous and she loves how good he looks and amazing and all that stuff. But a little drop of wax from the candle spills and falls onto Eros, burning him. And he wakes up startled and he sees that Psyche sees him and they make eye contact. And there he is enraged. He can't believe that Psyche broke her promise of not seeing his face. So he rushes out of the castle and Psyche screams for him to come back, but he doesn't. So he confesses to Aphrodite what happened. And she is upset that he did not fulfill his orders to, to take care of Psyche. So she locks him away in a tower and he can't get out. So then Aphrodite goes to Psyche and she says, I'll let you live, but you, need, you are going to be my slave. And so Psyche, all Psyche wants is to be back with Eros. And so she agrees. And the first task that Aphrodite gives to Psyche is she says, I need you to climb that mountain, that really dangerous tall mountain over there. And I need you to get some water from a specific spring and put it into this flask. And so Psyche begrudgingly goes on her way to do it. Zeus, though, takes pity on her, takes pity that she's not with her love and and all this stuff. So Zeus comes down as a bird and is in like an eagle or something. And he says that he'll go fetch the water for Psyche so she doesn't have to do it. So he flies quickly to the mountain, comes back with a flask full of this magic spring water, and he gives it to Psyche, who then gives it to Aphrodite. And Aphrodite is not happy. So she gives psyche another task and this task she relies on her friend persephone so she gives a box to psyche to deliver to persephone and psyche has to go to the underworld to do it so she crosses into hell she passes the three-headed dog cerberus and she gets to the river sticks where she has to pay the the boat rider to transport her across the river Styx. And then she eventually gets to Persephone. And what Psyche says is she says that she tells Persephone that she thinks Persephone is very beautiful. And Persephone is so flattered that the most beautiful woman in the world, who even Aphrodite is jealous of, thinks that Persephone is beautiful. So she's very flattered by that. She looks at the box she opens it, and Persephone decides to blow a little bit of her beauty into the box, and she hands it back to Psyche. Now, Psyche's leaving the underworld. She gets up to the real world, and there she thinks, well, if I just take a little bit of Persephone's beauty, maybe that will be enough to win back Eros. In the meantime, by the way, Eros is watching all of this happening, and he can't do a thing about it. He's chained up in this tower. So it kind of goes to plan of what Aphrodite wanted. 
Aphrodite knew that Psyche would not be able to contain herself. Sure enough, Psyche opened the box, and the gust of death that Persephone had breathed into the box for her own beauty swirls around Psyche, causing her to fall and to die. Eros is just completely torn, and he breaks free of his chains and flies all the way to Psyche, but it's too late. So he calls out to Zeus for help, and Zeus takes pity upon Eros. So he decides to make Psyche a god among the Olympians. He invites her to Mount Olympus, and he allows her to drink of the nectar of the gods, Ambrosia, formerly making her a god herself. And Aphrodite hates seeing this, but at least Eros and Psyche are together. And the story from this shows that even if you can't find your true love during the living days of when you're on earth, maybe you can still find your true love in the afterlife. <clears throat> and those are some stories of Aphrodite. <laughs>